guys. How's everyone doing? Welcome to the eighth episode of the Oilfoot Basics Discover podcast, where we strive to learn something new about our amazing industry on every single episode. I'm your host, Derek Craig, and with me today is no, <laughs> no one. I don't have any guest co-host co- uh, co- today. Uh, unfortunately, the scheduling didn't work out for this particular episode, uh, but so it's just me. Uh, but we do have a pretty cool guest lined up for us today, and we're going to be talking about a pretty unique topic, uh, one I don't know too much about. So I've definitely got a lot to learn myself as well on this particular podcast and going to keep the intro relatively streamlined. I don't have a whole lot on the Oilfoot Basics front to update everyone on today. Um, we are making strives continually towards more and more benchmarks on our social media. So again, be sure to always follow us. Um, but one thing I want to encourage everyone listening today is to get involved. Think about ways that you can get involved. We are always looking for guests to be on this podcast and even some guest co-hosts. Um, right now, I've pretty much been using people at school with me here. I've got another month left at school until I graduate. Sebastian's still got another year, uh, about a year left. But uh, I will be continually looking for even co-hosts uh, in the future. So if you want to get involved with us uh, and you even just want to be able to be on a podcast and ask others questions about you know particular sides of the industries that, that you don't know as much about and help me interview, uh, then definitely reach out to us as well. That's something we're looking into or looking into having others help us with. And of course, if you want to be a guest, um, and we're also looking for people to help host webinars with us. So if you've got an educational PowerPoint or presentation or something on your computer, just sitting, not educating anybody, uh, please work with us and see if we can get we can schedule a webinar with you and get that out and help someone else learn about that particular piece of the industry. So I appreciate everybody's uh, patience with us and. I would appreciate if you could re- leave us a review on this particular podcast as you're listening in your podcasting app. Most of you are listening in the um, Apple podcast app. <laughs> so if you could leave us a review that helps others find this podcast and of course helps us show up more towards the top in searches. So that's very much appreciated. And like I said, I'm not going to go too much into anything else. I'm going to go ahead and bridge into the topic. So today we're going to be talking about transforming the industrial marketplace. So oil and gas services and everything, you know, we've got a a market where those types of services are bought and also um, where equipment rental is done. And we're going to be getting a little bit of a further understanding of that particular side of the industry, how it functions now, uh, kind of the current situation of it and where it's heading. So I'm going to be talking with Adam Gillis. He's the CEO and co-founder of Hitched. Uh, He's been the senior vice president of oil and gas pure stream services with over 10 years of management experience in our very own industry. So without further ado, I'll invite Adam on. How's it going, Adam? Hey, man. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you. (laughs) Pretty good. Trying to get over a cold. (laughs) So hopefully try not to have any coughing spells uh, throughout this, but I'll try to mute my mic. So you guys probably won't even know if I do. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Thank- so Adam actually accepted a, a real quick invitation. So I, I, this episode, I was originally planning on uh, recording with someone uh, different today about fishing operations. So I was actually going to talk to a field guy about uh, his you know, equipment and the stuff that, that he does on a day-to-day basis on the fishing side of our industry. And I think he got sick. So he does, something's going around. So I reached out and, and Adam uh, took the bait and, and became my, my guest at a very short notice. So thanks so much for, for being willing and, and being our guest today. Oh, you bet, man. You bet. <laughs> yes, yeah, so looking forward to. So, Adam, you, you you've got a very cool, uh, lots of cool stuff going on at Hitched. So, you are the CEO of that company, and you've got a lot of cool stuff going on over there. So, you can tell us a little bit about your your background and what got you into this industry and, and where you're at right now. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, my background comes uh, in the service, oil and gas service industry, uh, mainly in Texas, uh, in the Permian Basin, and Eagle for Shale. Um, I've spent. Ever since college, I've spent uh, 
you know, spent my professional career uh, in the service business. I owned a roustabout, roustabout company. We did general labor and things of that sort um, on well sites and then been with a few other companies, most uh, recently uh, running the oil and gas division for a company called Pure Stream Services, which is a water reclamation company based out of Midland. Um, and, you know, due to some of the issues we had, you know, in our own business, um, that's, that's really where Hitch came from. I mean, we started, um, you know, we started building the Pure Stream business and, you know, there's a lot of inefficiencies, um, being a company that needs to rent a lot of equipment, uh, to make our jobs go off without a hitch, uh, pardon the oh, yeah. but <laughs> there's a lot of equipment that needs to be rented and there's a lot of logistical inefficiencies that we saw. And that's, that's really where hitch came from. Awesome. So from personal experience, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So one thing I want to hit on before you, we go too far into to hitch and, and that side of the industry, you mentioned water reclamation. Uh, that's one term that I'm not too familiar with. Uh, could you kind of explain what that is and, and where that falls in line with our industry overall and with our operations? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, water reclamation is taking produced and flow back water, um, cleaning it to an acceptable, um, to an acceptable rate and, and reusing that to frack wells with, right? So typically gotcha. what we do, we take, uh, oil and grease, suspended solids, and iron uh, out of produced and flow back water, clean it up, and then we we put it in frack ponds um, to get ready to be sent to frack jobs. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of that being done, but I've never heard of it called that. So <laughs> thanks for introducing me to that term. Yeah, <laughs> now I know water, water reclamation, <laughs> water recycle. I mean, however you want to see it. Um, gotcha. Or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, really. <laughs> gotcha. So how often is that kind of, is that mostly Permian that you guys are, are doing that? I'm, I know that definitely Permian gets a lot of, of water, produced water, especially. Uh, is that being pretty heavily done down there or what's kind of the current status? Yeah, man. So it's getting more and more prevalent. Um, you know, basically today we're competing with freshwater prices as well as disposal prices, which you have uh, when recycling, reclaiming water, right? You've really got two costs, right? You got to source the water to to have the water to frack your wells, and complete drilling operations. But you also have to have somewhere for it to go on the on the disposal side. And so, really, water recycle, you know, targets both those both those areas, taking producing flowback water, eliminating the disposal, and providing a source of water to complete complete wells. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something you pretty much have like a, a central facility that you, you have to truck the water to and, and do, or is, is that some something that you can do in the field, uh, like, like something with a, like a mobile unit or something like skid mounted? Yeah. So the, so the pure stream units are mobile units. Um, they're, they're mounted on skids. Uh, we move them around from job to job. Um, there are permanent water recycle facilities in the Permian Basin, no doubt. Um, but our business model is to, is to be able to be mobile and go over needed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't know that, that that was a thing. I knew that. So in Appalachia, I know that like of the, the central kind of facilities, like I just mentioned, but didn't know that, I didn't know when I asked that question that there was actually people doing skid mounted uh, units. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> didn't even intend for the podcast to go this route, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so the, um, the, the iron and everything that you're taking out of that uh, is most of the water you know, that you get on flow back basically or produce water format 
is most of that able to be recycled or do you uh, have to test for that and some is able to be recycled and some isn't is there like a particular threshold you know it depend depends on the requirement of the operator all the operators have different uh, requirements on cleanliness of the water i can say mm-hmm. from our standpoint um <clears throat> two of the most important things we do are take out oil and grease right uh, most every operator wants oil and grease out of their water um as mm-hmm. well as iron so we use an oxidizer to um, pull the iron out um, as well, and then we float off the oil and grease. And so we don't we don't really touch the dissolved solids in the water, none of the chloride, salts, anything that's dissolved in the fluid. What we're geared towards is taking out oil and grease, iron, and then whatever suspended solids are in the water. Oh, okay, gotcha. Is that so? Mo- most um, companies seem to be okay with that, with with what they're reusing for their, their frac, or are they particularly uh, particular about those those dissolved solids that's not being removed in general i mean so most companies aren't aren't concerned with the dissolved solids at this stage in the game some people are some people are still Mm -hmm. fracking with fresh water um like i said it all it all depends on the on the frac requirement on what frac program they're they're moving forward with so i mean there's you know there's a lot of different uh a lot of different ways to do the same thing and so different different operators require require different water qualities. Um, you know, the removing the suspended solids, oil and grease and iron work for a lot of them. Uh, some it doesn't, right? You mm-hmm. have people in the Permian Basin currently that are using only fresh water, but a lot of people now, uh, because of the cost savings involved um, and the logistics um, involved in, in transferring fresh water, it, it makes a lot more sense to use produced water because it's in field um, and oh, yeah. having a mobile system like we provide um, makes it easy to set up where we're needed and, and close to the frag jobs to kind of alleviate some of the, you know, some of the the uh, logistics piece of, of getting that water where it needs to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of application for something like that. Sure. Most of the uh, the water out there, if it's being sourced fresh per se, is that pretty much from... Um, wells water wells out there yep water wells um is is really in in west texas there's not a not a whole (laughs) bunch of reservoirs and lakes that we can pull out of um yeah much different than a lot of other places but frankly all the fresh water is coming out of coming out of wells on you know different landowners properties or operator owned properties Mm mm-hmm gotcha yeah as opposed to appalachia where there's like water literally everywhere Yeah. yeah So I literally only know of uh, one water well ever being used uh, for a frack up here that I've seen or heard of. And <laughs> so one time ever, everybody just pulls out of the, the river or some surface body of water. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I'll, well, I'll transition into our topic. <laughs> so I appreciate the sidetrack. Though. That was definitely very informative um, to know what's going on on the, the water side out in the Permian specifically. So you appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now as we kind of transition a little bit into the industrial marketplace, as you call it. Can you help get us and myself, especially a little bit familiar with this part of our industry that, that you're referring to as the industrial marketplace? Uh, get us up to par for somebody who doesn't really know about uh, any of that or what all that entails. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when we, when we say industrial marketplace, you know, we're referring to the platform that we're providing um, to serve you know, the industrial sector, uh, being oil and gas. And so, um, we've created a marketplace, um, to, you know, to kind of be a, a stopping point for, 
you know, oil and gas operators and service companies, a place they can go um, and find what they need when they need it. Right. Mm-hmm. So similar to an Airbnb, right. Somebody puts, somebody puts their house on there, you know, for rent and somebody comes along and rents their house. We operate under the same premise, right. Except that, you know, we're taking rental equipment and services. We're placing them, these service companies, um, and rental companies are placing their assets onto the platform, making them available to everybody. And so, like I said, similar to how Airbnb works, service companies, rental companies place their assets onto the marketplace and then operators and other service companies that are in need of those goods and services um, can rent them directly off of the marketplace on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in terms of like a current status, so most of the the, the companies that are that have equipment to rent, uh, is there how how much kind of organization or like what's the current status of that? I mean, I've talked to you know multiple people from ex- even the Permian Basin, you know, just on the phone about some some other topic or something. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I rent equipment too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that there's a bunch of these you know companies and individuals who have equipment to rent. Uh, but there's probably nothing too much tying them together. It's probably mostly who you know and and just kind of working through it that way. Yeah, really. So so the problem we saw in our business, right, is there, there's a cost associated with setting up new vendors and going through that process on an accounting side, right? And so there's only there's only so many vendors you can put on your vendors list, right, for each piece of equipment you need to rent, right? And so... Mm-hmm. You know, from our perspective, we have a couple logistics guys that all they do all day is dial, right? They just dial rental companies. Hey, I need, you know, 10 frack tanks. And the rental company says, well, I've only got three. And so we go to the next vendor, right? And we say, hey, I need seven frack tanks now. He's like, all right, I got four, right? All right, I'll take those four. And then you call the next vendor and, hey, I need three frack tanks now, right? And they say, okay, I got one. And then what ends up happening is, you know, you're dialing and you're calling on the phone and, you know, you're trying to track down what you need. And just like everybody knows in the oil and gas business, everything's 911, right? Everything needed to happen 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so what happens is you get to the end of your vendors list, right? And you still need three frack tanks, right? And you have nowhere to go. And so now you're posting up on LinkedIn, hey, anybody got three frack tanks needed for a job in, you know, six minutes, right? And everybody... Yeah. And then people are responding and then you're calling more people. And so the, the massive inefficiency with how that works, you know, ba- basically how the process works today is our logistics guys calls a sales guy from a rental company, right? So he calls the sales guys like, hey, man, I need three pumps for this job. And the sales guy calls their operations manager, right? His operations manager says, hey, man, we need three pumps. Do we have three pumps? Yeah, we got three pumps. Let me call our maintenance manager, make sure they're ready to go to the field. (laughs) So then that guy goes out there and then he calls the operations manager back and says, hey, man, I got these three pumps are ready to go. Then the operations manager calls the sales guy and says, hey, these three pumps are ready to go. Then the sales guy calls (laughs) my guy back and he says, hey, man, we got these three pumps. And it's just massively inefficient. There's so much time wasted. Yeah. And then the customer is like, oh, we found them in our own yard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times these guys don't even know what they have, you know? Yeah. Say, oh, yeah, I've got it. And say, oh, when can they be there? Well, they can be there tomorrow. And then so, you know, we'll move forward saying, yeah, we got this equipment being delivered tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and the equipment doesn't show up. I'm like, hey, man, where, where's our equipment? 
Mm-hmm. Oh man, we didn't have it, dude. Sorry, I forgot to call you, right? And so really <laughs> we're trying to introduce a couple things, right? First of all, we're trying to drive utilization for rental companies, right? We're trying to take underutilized assets and get them generating revenue, right? And that's the first thing. Second mm-hmm. thing we're doing is we're taking through the platform, everybody pays through the platform. So now instead of having, you may have five service companies on one particular site with five different pieces of rental equipment. Now you have one invoice, right? You don't have five mm-hmm. invoices you need to track down. You have one invoice, right? And the, and the third thing really is what we're, tr- we're trying to make equipment available to the people that need it, right? If you look at kind of our slogan, right, what you need when you need it, that's that's really what we live by, right? I mean, we want to make equipment available to people that need it when they need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely, like you said, a lot of the <laughs> mass confusion and disorder for any type of trying to procure rentals and everything. And you mentioned uh, what, some of the material that you sent me. It's, it's roughly a $20 billion marketplace, right? And that's just U.S. on shore currently. And expecting a lot of growth in that particular sector. Uh, can you kind of talk on, on that? And what all, what, you know, if people are looking for rentals, I know you mentioned, you know, pumps, but for somebody who's not, again, too familiar with, you know, just the scope of, of literally everything that's that's rented and used in our, in our industry, you know, what's some other hot ticket items per se that are, <laughs> you see uh, being rented out a lot or even on your own platform? Yeah. So, I mean, just your typical surface rentals. I mean, you've got I mean, stuff as silly as, you know, portable toilets, right? You've got light plants and forklifts and generators and pumps. And I mean, I could go on and on about the types of equipment, you know, frack tanks and trailers. And some people need to rent trucks to do certain things. And mm-hmm. I mean, really and truly, it's it's encompassing all of everything that gets rented in, in the oil and gas industry. And, and truly, I mean, the operators aren't buying this equipment. They're, they're renting it from service companies. And the other thing we're seeing too is there's only a certain amount of service companies and rental companies out there that have MSAs. So surprisingly enough, a lot of the rentals that occur in the Permian Basin specifically are service to service company. And what I mean by that is a, say a service company has an MSA with Oxy, right? And so they, Oxy says, I need um, you know, I need 50 frack tanks. If the service company mm-hmm. with the MSA doesn't have 50 frack tanks, they commit to the job and say, yes, we will deliver 50 frack tanks. And maybe they only have 20, right? Then they have to go search mm-hmm. the other 30. Well, all those, all those 50 frack tanks are billed direct to the operator, right? But they're all channeling through that service company, right? And so there's a big, in, there's a big industry in just service to service rentals, um, mm-hmm you know, to fulfill the needs of these operators. Hmm, interesting. Now, one of the things you define, you said MSAs there, for those who are not familiar, could you define that or kind of say what that is? I mean, a master service agreement, just basically a contract between an oil and gas operator and a service company, right? They just outline the terms of, you know, the contract of working for them, right? The ins and outs, it's just a, just a legal binding document that says, you know, we're going to provide this, you're going to provide this. And we all agree on that. And, and basically for the people that don't know, an MSA is, is something you have to have with an oil and gas operator in order to perform services. Gotcha. In in some instances, right. Being on the vendors list is sufficient. They'll just add you to the vendors list. But, but I mean, 
most mostly everyone requires an MSA to provide goods and services to the operators. Oh, okay, gotcha. So is it, uh, to, is it exclusive much or is it basically just laying out all the, the terms and conditions? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, an operator may have 10 different service companies that all do the same thing, right? It's really not an exclusive agreement. In some cases, okay. it could be, but it's basically just laying out the operator's terms of working for them. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> no, thanks for. I, I thought I knew what it stood for, but I knew I wouldn't know what what to the depth of what you were going to explain it as. So yeah, I appreciate okay. the, the the clarification. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, with with that the kind of knowledge on the overall that that particular this particular sector of the industry, uh, I know you you kind of hit a little bit on terms of what what y'all are doing uh, at Hitched, uh, but can you kind of talk about? Um, what all you know you've got an app right so that's the backbone of what you do or is it, is it online or kind of how it kind of can you go through kind of how it works or walk us through the, the process a little bit sure no so we've got an ios app as well as an android app and then we have a web portal at hitchedapp.com um all three function the same way um basically how it works is you know the service and rental companies get on um they can add their equipment or services to the platform and then from the end users get on as well, and they can rent, um, they can rent or utilize services off the platform. So really, we're just the intermediary trying to get uh, everybody what they need when they need it, right? And so the the platform is is very simple. Um, you know the way the way it works today, equipment is added. Um, end users can go search for the equipment they need. Uh, we've got different filters, right? If you want to search within X amount of miles of where your current location is, you can search for mm-hmm. service companies with five-star ratings or four-star ratings. You can search in specific price categories for specific equipment. Um, anyways, there's there's different filters you can utilize uh, to find exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of foreign to our industry a little bit, right? Like that's basically like a a Yelp. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day too. It's like you know we don't really have anything uh, with like a rating system or you know those types of of filters for for goods and services uh, per se. So that's that's definitely a little bit of a a new new way of of thinking a little bit and going about business. Would you agree? Yeah, and what we want want to happen, right? We want to take these smaller you know mid sized service and rental companies and put them on the plat- same platform as the bigger guys. You know, yeah. A lot of these guys don't, the smaller service companies don't, they don't have the marketing budgets. They don't have, you know, $150,000 a year to pay a sales guy, you know, a, a top tier sales guy to go out there that has all the contacts. Right. And so mm-hmm. what we're trying to establish is a, you know, a platform where everybody can be on the same stage. And frankly, the smaller guys probably in most cases provide as good a service as the big guys, but they don't get the same recognition. And so we want people renting equipment from companies, you know, that take pride in what they do. Um, and a lot of these smaller guys go unnoticed. And so, you know, by and large, we want to put these guys on the same platform as the big guys so we can drive business to them as well. Because ultimately the the small guys have the same equipment as the big guys. It's just a function of, you know, scale and how much they can actually get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the, you know, in terms of, so this is kind of a, a solution for both those trying to 
sell or offer or you know rent the equipment out and also you know the buyer in terms of the the renter uh the one actually doing the renting do they kind of have an inventory on this that on your on your system or that that shows what's available or or what how that kind of used yeah so once the equipment's placed on onto the platform right as it's rented off it updates inventory on demand right and so if you go on there with 100 general 100 you say you have 100 125 kw generators Mm-hmm. Right, somebody comes on and rents fifty. The next time, as the app refreshes, which it does constantly, right, it'll yeah. show fifty available to the market. Right, and as that stuff comes on rent off rent, better yet, um, it'll add what comes off rent back to the inventory as well. And so there's an internal inventory system that shows what's available, where it's available, by who, um, and and the the internal inventory system is what is what provides those numbers to the, to the end users. Mm-hmm. Now I assume like whenever you, you know, if you go to rent something, you know, does that pretty much um, you, you select like when it, when it's due back per se, and is there any like checks and balances to make sure that that's actually uh, back into the inventory on the date that it was, you know, that, that your system is going to say it's back in the inventory? Yeah, for sure. So when, when a rental comes up due to end, Right, three days prior to ending, we send out a notification that gives the end user an option to extend the rental or send it back. As mm-hmm. well, if if they need to send the rental back early, there's a notification function as well um, that they can send the equipment back earlier than they than they thought. So they have the option to extend the rental. Right, if they don't if they don't extend the rental, then it goes back into the inventory on the last day of the rental. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was supposed, you know, on, on the, the user side, that's definitely uh, hopefully a way that would help uh, like the operators or whoever's running this equipment or the, the other service companies you know, to know, you know, what all they have on their field that they're being charged for on a daily or, hour, you know, whatever basis it is. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So that, that loan is a lot, little, little power there because I, I don't imagine that everybody has flawless lists, you know, <laughs> the, to watch that kind of thing, especially as, as jobs and stuff uh, go, you know, go on further than what was planned. You know, it's probably hard to to keep track of all of that. Right. And as a job, you know, everything's very fluid out here, right? Jobs change and dates change and frack schedules change. Oh, yeah. Drilling schedules change, right? And so, you know, having the ability to schedule out um, is an advantage, right? And, and also as jobs complete, you know, you don't necessarily have to take when a job completes, you don't have to take that you don't have to take that equipment off rental, right? You can take it and assign it to the next job. Um, you know, we've input a job site management function. And so as the equipment, the end users go in and they create their job sites, right? And as they rent equipment, they assign that specific piece of equipment to a job site, right? And so that does a couple things. On the service company side, um, it shows them what their daily revenue is, right? Per job site with whoever they're working for. On the other side of that, you know, an operator can go in and put their AFE number in and what their what their budget is, um, you know, on a monthly basis, on a per job basis, right? And it tracks the cost on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. So they can look on any given day onto our analytics portal, which is in the app, and know exactly what they're spending on a daily basis. And like I said, once a job ends instead of taking that equipment off rent, they can actually take, if they need that whole set of equipment, whatever it is, 
right? They can just take that equipment and assign it to the next job. It stays on rent, but now they're tracking their budget on the new job that they're on, right? And so oh, gotcha. the functionality, you know, gives gives both sides great visibility of of what is what exactly is going on and what they're spending. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, one one question I, I should have asked kind of more in the, the beginning when we were going over a little bit about the market and everything. You know, for someone who's looking, you know, maybe thinking about, you know, getting into the equipment rentals or investing in their equipment rentals and stuff, uh, what do you kind of see right now in terms of uh, demand for that side of the industry? Is that something that they should consider uh, going into? Yeah, so I mean, the, the equipment rental piece of the oil and gas industry has always been very lucrative, right? Um, you know, I think I think getting into the equipment rental business is a at this point in the game is a, is a smart investment. Um, it's something that is always going to be necessary. I don't I don't see these operators going out and buying four hundred light plants right to service all of the yeah. sites right. And so, you know, just like any anything else, right? The service companies and rental companies that are in business currently, right? I mean, they they have X amount of equipment, they have X amount of capex you know, to continue to buy new equipment, right. And, and refurbish their fleet, but there's always room for great service companies, especially in the Permian Basin. Gotcha. And one of the things I, um, forgot to mention earlier too, you know, on this particular side of the industry, uh, whenever someone rents, you know, something, I assume, you know, you pay after the fact to get billed or whatever, uh, does that, so it delays, payment and you know whenever people go into bankruptcy sometimes i'm I'm, you know wondering if sometimes people don't get paid you know i mean uh where where if they use your app isn't isn't that more automated and and, you know more instantaneous it is it is And and i'm glad you brought this up because this is a this is a huge issue um currently right i mean it's hard to live when you're a cash flow business it's hard to live on 120 day terms and, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're completely relying on the cash flow of your business to, you know, make payroll and pay the bank back and all the things that go along with running a business. And so we built out a custom feature um, for payments that allows service companies to set their terms. And the way it works is a service company goes in, they set their terms, whether their terms be 30 days, 15 days, 90 days, 60 days. The agreement that is made... Um, between the end user and the rental company is that they will pay in X amount of time, right? And so the service companies can set, um, you know, their term limits. On that term mm-hmm. A, right, so we, we draw an ACH from whoever the end user is, okay? And so we are paying, um, you know, on, on their terms, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, but and then we're responsible for collecting that, right? If mm-hmm. say the ACH doesn't go through. And so what we're trying to do is get people paid quicker, especially smaller service companies that are completely relying on cash flow to run their businesses, mm-hmm. right? If if it makes sense for them to take 60 day terms and they can put that in there. If they need to be paid in 15 days, whoever's renting the equipment is gonna agree to that on the front end. Right. And so if you can't live with 15 day terms, then you need to rent from a company on our platform that's got 60 day terms. Right. 
And so gotcha. what I think will happen as the dynamic changes is these service companies will lock arms together and say, hey, we want to get paid in 30 days or 45 days. And as and, and they will go to the operators and the end users and say, hey, guys, if you want to rent our equipment, we need you to rent it through this platform because we're going to be guaranteed payment. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so what, what's, um, you mentioned ACH a couple of times. Now that one I'm not at all familiar with. What is, what's that? So just an electronic bank transfer, right? You can pay oh, okay. on the platform, you can pay via electronic check. You can pay through ACH, which is just a transfer of funds, electronic transfer of funds. Uh, and you can also pay with a credit card, right? Okay. And so, gotcha. like I said, the terms are set and we draw that, uh, we draw that payment, at, at the end of the term. Okay. Yeah. One thing I'd like to have you kind of help clarify for, for myself as well. And for anybody else that might be wondering this, you know, whenever we do anything on our daily lives, you know, we, we pay and everything's instant. Like, I mean, unless you put something on credit or something like that. Um, the, the, to me, the, the idea, I mean, I know it, it exists. I, I knew that this was a thing, but I don't really have a good explanation for it. You know, why something is a 15 day, 30 day, 40, 60 day term, uh, why, why that's basically what is done on the oil field services. Could you kind of clarify like why that's done or, or what the benefit of that is or how it works? And is that, you know, 60 days from the, the time that you return it or the time that you actually uh, basically get it or, or what's the kind of lowdown on that? Yeah, so really it's whatever the terms are, it's set from the invoice date, right? So if you invoice on the 15th of April per se, with the 60 day term limit, right? You're going to get paid 60 days from the 15th of April. Right. And so the, the way it works is, you know, whatever the, whatever the term length is from the end of, from the end of the rental, right. When the invoice is actually sent, right. That, that will be, that will, that will be the terms you pay in. Right. So if the, if the rental ends okay. on the 15th of April with, you know, a 30 day term on the 15th of May, that invoices do right, and okay. I don't have a great explanation for why. <laughs> in the oil and gas industry, you know, a lot of a lot of industries, it's you know fifty percent upfront and fifty percent when the job's completed, and and on the consumer side, anyway, yeah, all pay up front, right? Yeah, I don't have a good explanation as to why the oil and gas industry, you know, does it the way they do. What I do know is a lot of the service companies, you know, wait a long time to get paid and it puts yeah. a major amount of stress on in, I mean, into their daily business. Right. I mean, everybody's got families to feed and payroll to make and, and all the things that go along with running a business. Right. And being stretched out 120 or 150 days just makes that twice as hard. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe part of it, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, let's just say rentals, you know, this is what we're talking, that's what we're talking about anyways. You know, it's not always just going to be one person in the company, you know, doing the rentals, especially if you're talking about like from an operator's perspective, you know, have different, you might have a drilling engineer calling and, and getting something one day or, you know, somebody on that team or completion. I mean, you have so many different people going to, to, you know, get those rentals and stuff for them to be able to, you know, for, to have them pay would be a lot more hectic than to say build a company. Uh, so maybe that's where it kind of comes in. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, back to, um, what y'all are doing with hitch, uh, you're in the Permian basin pretty exclusively right now. And your plans to what's, what's kind of your, your plans and, and where are you at? Where are you going? Yes. Yeah, so we're based in Midland, Texas, um, right now, you know, uh, focused really, um, on the Permian basin and Delaware basin over in Southeast New Mexico. 
Uh, we've got a, cusp, a couple customers uh, down in the Eagleford, down south of San Antonio, Texas. But uh, over the next 12 months, we expect to expand, um, you know, across all the basins in the United States. And so really being digital as we are, right, there's no there's no set basin, right, that we that we have to go to next, right? And as this catches on, what what everybody knows, you know, work in this industry, a lot of the service companies and a lot of the operators operate in multiple basins. And so what we know mm-hmm. today is, you know, as hot as the Permian is right now, most all of, you know, most all of the major operators to some degree are working in the Permian Basin. And what we're looking to do is grow those relationships in the Permian Basin and let those those people take us right to other basins. And so mm-hmm. once we familiarize all these people with this you know, technology that we're introducing, um, you know, our goal is to grow with them throughout other basins of the United States. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, on your slide deck and stuff that you sent me, you also mentioned, you know, going into maybe water chemicals and some more of, of those types of, of goods as well. Um, do you have any types of, of plans or, or thoughts to grow even just beyond oil and gas equipment rentals or? You know, we do. We we started with the equipment rentals, right? Because that's that made the most sense and frankly to me had the biggest issues. But I think from a logistics standpoint and kind of where we're growing, we're in phase one right now, encompassing the rentals and services. And as we grow the business, we'll move into other services. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to start uh, moving into the offshore market, the offshore rental market. And I think there's a lot of inefficiencies from what we've seen in the offshore rental market as well. But this is not, this technology is not limited to oil and gas, right? Um, mm-hmm. We plan in our, in our phase three program of moving into commercial construction, mining and other industrial sectors that face the same issues that the oil and gas industry um, faces. But, you know, we started in oil and gas in the Permian basin because that's, that's what we know, right? That's mm-hmm. all of our experience um, myself and Lance, our other co-founder, um, that's where our experience comes from, right? In the, in the oil and gas service sector. And so it just made good sense for us to start there. Um, you know, where we had the right contacts and, and, and knew the market very well. Um, so we can perfect it in the Permian basin and take it elsewhere. And then outside of oil and gas altogether. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned uh, inefficiencies uh, offshore wise. Anything that that sticks out uh, from somebody who doesn't, or for, for somebody who doesn't really know anything about offshore, like myself, any, anything that particularly is different there in that market, or that sticks out? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, obviously the logistics change quite a bit when you got to you know put equipment onto a service boat that has to go forty miles offshore, right? The logistics obviously mm-hmm. change, but exactly what I was explaining earlier about the land market, right? This guy calls this guy and he calls this guy and he calls this guy. And then basically the, the dominoes fall the other way. He calls this guy, back, yeah. calls this guy back. I mean, it's all, it's all the same, right? Whether it be onshore, offshore construction, mining, it's, it's all the same, right? It's all a, a people business today. And, and don't misunderstand. We're not trying to take the people out of the business. What we're trying to do is, is, you know, let the people concentrate on the customer service and providing great service to these end users, right? Oh, yeah. Handle the logistics piece and also providing a large platform, you know, where they can find what they need when they need it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that 
kind of was eye-opening to me, uh, and this is just even on the engineering side, you know, a lot of what, you know, what a lot of engineers do and spend their time is, is like logistical things um, and, and more management kind of deal, you know, and I, would, I suppose that, you know, it's the same with other positions in the industry. I mean, if you can get some of that, you know, automated or, you know, use technology to help make that easier, then that's obviously a big benefit and you can let them do their, you know, their real job, you know, like you said, uh, focusing on the, the customer experience. Yeah. And something to think about too. I mean, your, yourself is a good example of this, but you know, as, as the millennials start moving into, you know, executive roles and management roles in these oil and gas companies, right? Millennials, I mean, you and I sit here on our phones and we can do everything we need to do on a daily basis from our phone, right? And oh, yeah. as the millennials, you know, the up and comers in this industry take over, right? They would much rather go onto an app on their phone to rent water transfer pumps or frack tanks, right? Than they would call yeah. 14 people to try and find, you know, because that basically in the millennial world is, is second nature, right? We buy everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we book, we book our vacations on, you know, Airbnb and VRBO and we book our plane flights on, you know, on the American airlines app and everything we do on a daily basis is done, you know, on our phone or from a computer, right? We can basically run our entire lives, whether it be delivering groceries to our house or like I said, setting up vacations, everything is done there, right? And as the millennial oh, generation, yeah. you know, starts to take over the oil and gas industry, right? Tech will be very important to those guys because they'll, they'll, they'll understand the efficiencies that it brings to the industry. Yeah. And with that, um, do you expect, I mean, I assume, you know, if you're going on this type of a, a model where we do everything, you know, on, on the phones or, or, you know, that you have the ratings, you have the, re, you know, the reviews, you have the, you can see right off the bat, you know, what they have and, and you know, the different variations of it. I would assume with that kind of comes transparent pricing um, where that's, I would assume that I know that I don't know how much this reaches into the, the rental side of the industry, but I know definitely for the service side. Um, in general, you have everybody kind of has a different price kind of for the same thing. I would assume kind of moving to this type of a platform would make it more where everybody's kind of paying the same price. Is that right? I mean, yeah, that that will happen over time. Right. But, mm -hmm. you know, it depends if you look across the industry. Right. Different operators do different things. Right. And some operators use the cheapest service company. Right. Other operators yeah. want the best quality. You know, other operators may want something else. And we just want to provide a platform that however you run your business, right, that, that's up to you, right? And yeah. Having, if a service company having five stars and providing great service and having great comments uh, on the Hitch platform is what's important to you, and then you'll be able to search equipment that way, right? If having the cheapest price is what's important to you, you know, that's available too, right? But as more and more service companies adapt to this technology, you know, the, the pricing will become more streamlined. That's just going to be part of the evolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting to, to think about as well, because that's kind of, you know, along with this kind of uh, going with tech, you know, on this this route, you know, that's that's a, a, a side effect per se. And it'll be interesting to see how the, the industry continues to, to respond to that. But I think it's definitely very very interesting. And like you said, it, it, basically second nature uh, to the, you know, my age and, and even, you know, those who are even older than me. I mean, that's just what we do. So very, very cool. Very excited to see where all this goes. How many, uh, how many users you got right now on this in terms of renters and, and users? Yes, yeah, so we, we currently have, uh, 
right at 10,000 assets uh, on the platform. Oh, wow. um, we've got six companies transacting on the platform currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect over the next uh, 30 days for those numbers to increase. We, you know, the app went live two weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. So you're very fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, but oh, uh, awesome, man. we had nine months worth of, you know, app development. Um, yeah. we've, been, we've been out on the market making people aware of where we're going and kind of what we're doing. Right. And so fortunately through some relationships we had, we've, you know, we had some people come on day one and, and we've had a lot of positive feedback from, you know, a lot of, a lot of oh, yeah. companies that we've had, had discussions with, um, you know, that are, that are transacting on the platform. Yeah. I expect you guys got a lot of buy-in, uh, for something like this. You no, know, we do. Because if you look at, if you look at what it costs, the rental company, it doesn't cost you anything to, to put your assets onto the platform, right? It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't cost you anything to upload assets onto hitch. Right. And it just makes sense. Right. It, it makes sense. And it gives, you know, everybody is going to go, I mean, I, if, if I own the rental company, I want my equipment to be where the eyes are, right? Oh, yeah. And, and the eyes in this day and age are on tech, right? And what we're hoping is to transform the industry into, you know, into, you know, a more tech-focused type of industry, right? And yeah. for nothing else than to create efficiency, right? And, and for people to be able to get what they need to get done quicker. Yeah, for sure. And one, one final question I, I can think of just came into my head right now um, in terms of, you know, so if you're, let's say you're working for a bigger operator and like you said, they've kind of got their list of, of, you know, companies that you can get, you know, rent off of, you know, they've got their list per se. Um, is there anything, uh, any type of being able to work with, you know, whoever, whoever sets that list per se and says, you know, for their employees using that app, these are the companies that they can, that are, they are approved to rent from or anything, any type of integration that way. Do you, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, so we're required in, in that scenario, right. To have for Hitch to have the MSA with, with the operator. Right. And, and we're responsible for vetting companies that meet the qualifications for the operators that these companies are going to work for. You know, different operators have different spe- safety specifications, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, most everybody out here, you know, IS Networld is a is a safety and risk um, portal that most every operator utilizes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that service companies have to be on, right? And then we look at TRIR, which is the number of recordable incidents um, that a service or rental company has, right? And so those are mm-hmm. requirements, right? And so it's our responsibility, you know, having the MSA with the operator to vet these service companies to ensure that they meet requirements. And that's kind of where some of the cool features that we're rolling out uh, come into play. You know, I mean, we have the ability um, for operators only to see people, you know, that can work for them. If there's a company that doesn't meet their requirements, right, that equipment is not going to show up on the platform, right? And we've done that on the back end. Oh, awesome. Algorithms and um, some different tech on the back end to ensure we're pairing up the right people with the right, you know, with the right equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Well, sounds great. I'm excited for you guys to continue to get lost. I didn't realize you guys were so new. <laughs> just, just launched the app, so that's exciting. Yeah, man. 
All right. So Adam, you know, if somebody's wanting to get it, you know, learn more about this particular app or download it or, or be a part of your platform, you know, what, where would you point them to? So on the iOS and Google Play Store, uh, it's under Hitched uh, Rental Marketplace. And then our web portal is www.hitchedapp. That's app.com. So hitchedapp.com. Like I said, the the three, uh, the iOS, Android, and web platform all have the same functionality. So uh, whatever your preference is, um, they're all available. Awesome, man. Yeah, and thanks again so much for being on the program at such a short notice and, and for sharing your, your piece of the industry with us. We really appreciate it. Yep, thanks so much, Derek. Yep, thanks everyone for listening. I hope everyone learned something. I know I definitely learned a lot about a variety of topics, even topics I didn't think that we'd even hit on or never would have thought I would have talked about uh, with Adam today. So I appreciate him and his time. And thank you guys for, for listening in. Just want to remind everybody that we do have something called a call-in number. And so if you call... Uh, this number I'll give you here in just a second. You can actually you can do a host of things. You can leave us questions, uh, you know, that, that you have, whether it's um, about uh, things that you've seen us talking about or doing uh, from the Oilfield Basics realm, or if it's just a general question you have about the industry. Uh, that gives us the ability to even play it on on air per se and answer your question. Uh, you can also record an intro for the show <laughs> per se. So if you're a, a fan and you want to do uh, in, introduce the show, you know we'll play it and uh, get you some airtime and get get a cool introduction for us as well. So uh, the number seven eight zero five three eight zero three seven nine. That's seven eight zero five three eight zero three seven nine. And like I said, feel free to, to call that and leave us a message, and then we'll uh, we'll air it. <laughs> so. So wanted to make sure everybody is aware of that. And that is listed on our webpage as well, in case you couldn't write that down. Oldfootbasics.com is where all of this is. Our video blogs, our podcasts, our courses, our online courses. I want to remind you guys that, that we have courses, uh, both at even introductory level to the entire industry. Uh, courses such as that and even some more advanced courses uh, on uh, artificial lift is, is something we have up. Uh, right now, we've got more and more in the works. So keep an eye on that. And of course, join our mailing list and follow us on social media to keep up to date. So I appreciate everyone listening in and that's a wrap. We'll catch you in the next episode.